0: this man just doesn't understand what love is he fell into love he fell out of love well that's some sort of a emotional caricature of what love actually is and what love actually is is going Hmm. through the sacrifice it Hmm. is going through the pain it is going through the suffering and it is recommitting uh to the beauty of the other of the the our wife who is in need of our constant support and our constant love (laughs) of our constant choice within that. Hey everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Catholic Gentleman. We are so blessed that you are here. We're your hosts. I'm John Heinen. We've got Sam Guzman. We've got Devin Shad. We're happy and blessed to bring this to you every single week. Today, we're going to be coming to you on a conversation about marriage and divorce and what that means for us as Catholic men in society today. We're going to be very delicate as we go through this, but we're going to be bringing up actual statements that men have made about why they got divorced, so that we can address those head on. In addition, if you like what we're talking about here, we go into an extended version every single week. This week, we're going to go into um, quite a few more things that men have said that we can dialogue about over at Catholic Gentlemen Plus. It's a great way to support the Catholic Gentlemen. So if you're interested in getting awesome content, we come out with monthly sessions every single month. This month, we've got a session on spiritual warfare. I'm going to be coming at you with a, an exorcist priest um, in not too long. We also have a ton of other things every... Every single week, we come out with an extended version of this episode. There's ebooks in there. There's everything, and plus, it's an awesome way to support the Catholic Gentleman. So please head over there. We want to reach more men, and I've been bringing this up weekly. And so, please, if you are on Apple or you are on Spotify, please give us a five star review and uh, written review. Um, we're just so grateful for all of you who have written such awesome reviews. It means a lot to us. It keeps us motivated, and um, and we can really feel. God's grace moving. So thank you for that. And please keep on giving us those reviews so we can reach more men. Uh, Finally, if you haven't listened to the last couple episodes, we uh, have Devin's book here, Jesus's Way for Lent. It's a Lenten devotion. I know that Lent just started, but... Don't let that get you off track. We've got forty six days here. If you order it, you'll get it. Um, We're giving away the first ten days free in PDF, just so that you can get started ASAP, and then it'll be shipped to you uh, right after we get your order. And so, again, today we're talking about marriage. I think it's such an important topic. Single men. If, this, uh, if you're listening to this episode, I'd encourage you to tune in because it's going to show you some of the pitfalls that men fall into. It's also for you to better understand what marriage is and what it is not. Uh, for married men, we have to redouble our efforts. We have to constantly fight against the world and the temptations of the world. And some of these men that have gotten divorces uh, kind of give us you know, areas where um, the world sees it okay to just give up or okay to to let go. And if you are divorced and remarried, I do want to address to you, we are going on a very sensitive topic we are walking on let's say the interior lives of other men and we want to be very sensitive to that and so if you're divorced and you've gotten an ailment um, you know you are in a prayer some of my closest friends have gone through that and so I understand uh, that burden and that cross and and know that you're in our prayers but I do think that this is so important right because marriage is under attack throughout our society today. With 50% or over 50% of marriages ending in divorce, chances are you're either a part of a divorced family or you know people who are divorced or you yourself are fighting the good fight. And plus, marriage is hard, right? it is incredibly difficult. And it's meant that way on purpose, right? You don't get married because you want to be on a bed of roses on a, you know, sheer and easy, pleasurable path to heaven. That's not, that's (laughs) not the marital way. And I think that we sometimes uh, misunderstand that because we're so in love during the, those honeymoon years, um, with our wives. Um, I guess, an emotional love, right? Because we're still in love as life goes on, but that love grows deeper. So, uh, Sam, I'd love to hear just uh, the importance from you of talking about marriage today.
1: Yeah, I think it is important because there can be this impression among good Catholics sometimes that if you're a devout Catholic, um, that you should never struggle in marriage, that you should never um, have frustrations or pain points or moments of, of doubt or anything like that. And that if you do, you must be a bad Catholic. And then certainly no other Catholics uh, at your Sunday mass are, are struggling, right? Like they all look so nice. They have those beautiful little families all dressed up so pretty. And like, you know, surely everybody is doing great except for us. And I just want to dispel that notion right now. Like there are plenty of Catholic marriages with problems. Sadly, there are many Catholic marriages that end in divorce, almost the same exact divorce rate as, you know, the, the secular world. Um, and so this is something that affects all of us, even those that are devout, that are trying to live their faith, these pitfalls, these struggles, these temptations can hit all of us at one point or another. And so welcome to the human family, right? Like we, we marriage is hard because it's throwing us into close proximity with another fallen human being day in and day out. And it triggers all of those insecurities in ourselves, all of those weaknesses, all of those tendencies towards selfishness, misunderstanding, um, you know, criticism, judgment, all of these things that we can fall into as human beings, but there's no escape in marriage, right? Like there's maybe if there's someone at work you don't like, you can avoid them. But in marriage, like you have to come home to them every night Uh, And so that can be really, uh, as we've talked about in other episodes, it can be a tremendous opportunity for healing, growth and holiness, um, you know, purification interiorly, um, or, you know, depending on what on, on both parties, right, it takes two, like, it can be a real recipe for disaster and a lot of pain and heartache, because those closest to us could often be the ones that hurt us the most. And so, I just think it's important we get at things out in the open. that look, this is something the Catholics struggle with too. Um, but also talk about some some practical solutions as well. So, because while well, it is a struggle, like it is something that you know we're called to embrace. If we are, you know, in the sacrament of marriage, it's something that we're we're called to carry our cross and to enter into that. Um, and and so, anyway, I think this is a very needed, very needed discussion.
0: Yeah, and so. It is, and not to, not to make it seem like you dive into marriage so that you can have the burden of your spouse for, you know, <laughs> the friendship created within um, our relationships yeah. with our wives is unlike anything else you'll ever experience in, in life, and it's worth every single bit of your courage, every single bit of your strength, every single bit of your fortitude, your patience, your, um, your growth and holiness, um, to commit to it. If that's the sacrament that God has called you to, or is calling you to. So Devin, I'd love to hear your thoughts just a little bit about this marital,
2: um, importance. Yeah. Well, yes, marriage is difficult. I mean, duh, it's like saying, you know, climbing Mount Everest is hard, or training for a gold medal in the Olympics is hard, or running a marathon is hard. Of course they're hard, you know? And and anything that is great and worthy of our greatness, of our hard work and our diligence is going to be difficult. So, you know, I mean, marriage is like Everest. <clears throat> it's the pinnacle, if you will, of relationships. Marriage is like the Olympics, it is the gold, it is the prize, you know, it is the communion that actually reflects and images not only Christ and his church, but the Trinitarian communion, where there's a third that's, you know, in a sense, out of our marriage, it comes forth. And it is the marathon. It's a long yeah. race. And when you cross the finish line, it is totally worth it. But I just read an article that was extremely powerful. And it was written by a sociologist, uh Brad Wilcox from mm-hmm. the University of Virginia National Marriage Project. And he He has just a ton of statistical research in his new book, and I can't think of the name of it, but he says married couples are the most financially secure. They're the least lonely, they're the healthiest, they're the happiest, and their children have the best life outcomes. Mm. Bottom line. And he talks about interviewing all these women, and it was married mothers who reported that their lives are most meaningful, up to 75%. Whereas single women were like at 50 some percent and married couples were at 151% higher, happier or very happier than people who were single and just, you know, living around same age groups, 18 to I think 55. And for guys who are concerned about money, evidently a married man's assets, just his accumulative wealth when he's by the time he's in his 50s is right around $400,000. Whereas an unmarried man average is about $12,800. Wow! So that, that's, that's incredible. So, so yes, marriage is hard, marriage is difficult, but it, just on a practical level, just on a temporal level, just on a psychological level, mental health level, it's so worth it. And there was another statistic he mentioned that 84% of husbands who are married and go to church regularly are very happy. Mm. They're very happy men. They're satisfied men. So the the culture wants to paint this picture, especially the Hollywood, the metro blue areas of the world. They they want to paint this picture that marriage is such a downer. You need to be emancipated from it. You need to be free of it so you can find yourself and have that new self and that self-freedom and all that you know, Rousseau kind of sentimentalism, but it's totally false. And the statistics Mm. prove it hands down.
0: Yeah. I love it. Oh, I really appreciate you sharing that. That's exciting. And so men, if you want to make money and actually have money, get married.
2: <laughs> and, um,
0: and that's yeah. a, that's a, a, <laughs> a paradox, but it is. Yeah. I think that's really exciting. You'll have to, uh, send that over to me. Uh, but yeah, I mean, for Catholics, we know that marriage is an indissoluble union. If you don't know that it is right. It's a sacrament. It is not something that we can get a divorce. You can get, um, separated and you can get an annulment, um, an annulment, you know, specifically states that it was um, null, right? It was actually never the marriage sacrament was ever formed officially. And I know that that comes out a lot today, and I really don't want to go too much into that. Um, But I do think think it's a beautiful thing that the church has come out in her wisdom with this idea of an annulment because of the importance of marriage, that getting into the sacrament of marriage is not something that you just get drunk and wake up married and um, and it's, it's a full union, right? Um, it is not something that you could just dive into after meeting a woman and a week later you're in love and you're going to get married. It is not that. It is something that takes a very deep and serious consideration because our vows Mm. matter. That's another thing. Um, Our vows matter. What you say matters. And so men, if you are going to commit yourself until death do us part, you have to know what you're getting into and you have to know what you're committing to and you have to mean it and you have to live it for the rest of your life. And Mm. that is, um, that's awesome. Yeah, Devin, what are you
2: going to say? Uh, no, I was just thinking about a moment in my marriage. <clears throat> it just came to me where I was. It was shortly after I was married, and I was. We were. I was sleeping in the bed with my wife, and I was sleeping, and I literally woke up with a start, sat straight up, realizing that this is forever. And I was sweating, and I look over at her, and I'm like, "I, I, this is forever." And I think <clears throat> there's a point to this, and I think Michael Knowles said something along these lines, but the idea is that you know, there's the paradox of commitment. The culture tells us that the commitment in marriage is enslavement because you don't have the freedom to sleep around and swing and, you know, and do all these things. Whereas the Christian perspective and the Catholic church's perspective on this is that commitment is actually not enslavement because it's freedom. Because the reason is, is I actually trust that this person, because we both made this vow to be committed no matter what, that when I reveal myself over and over, you're not running. And then there's great safety in that. There's great security in that. There's great trust in that. And that's where the freedom to become who you really are just is exponential. It just grows and grows. And so you actually can become who you really are in a committed monogamous relationship. Okay? Whereas- The culture says, no, it's enslavement. That's a lie. It's like G.K. Chesterton. What was the analogy on the mountain? Sam, you probably know this, but like, you know, you got the kids playing in the fence all around the top of the mountain and, and, you know, the secularists would say, oh, look, they're all fenced in. They can't have any fun. And no, that fence is there to keep them from falling off the cliff, you know? And, And that's the idea of the sacramentality of marriage. It keeps us from falling off the cliff.
1: Yeah. And it, it's, it's, this is another one of these hard sayings of Jesus, right? Like, like the, the, the Jews at the time were always like, oof, that's a hard saying. I don't know if I can stomach that. You know, like Jesus was constantly dropping these truth bombs that were hard for people to swallow. And, and one of those was um, his teaching on divorce. And the apostles mm-hmm. were like, I mean, I don't know if it was the apostles specifically, but there were disciples following Jesus, at least, (laughs) that were just so horrified by, like, this teaching on divorce that he's just like, whoa, you know, like, if we can't get divorced, Mm. then might as well not even get married. Like, don't even get yourself into that situation if that's the way it's going to be. But he's like, hey, like, "This this is how serious this is. You know, of course, St. Paul later talks about how it is, the reason it's important is because it's a sign of the covenant between God and his people. And God never, ever will give up on his people. Um, And we see that, again, I've mentioned this before in other episodes, but like in the book of Hosea, right, like God wants to show how literally means that by like making Hosea like marry a prostitute and like no matter how many... Time she's unfaithful he has to take her back because that's how god is mm-hmm. he always takes us back you know and that's the beauty of the sacrament of confession of, of of penance of reconciliation whatever you want to call it like is that god always takes us back we can be unfaithful to him a thousand times and he's faithful to us now human beings like that's 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 <laughs> that's that's very difficult for us to be faithful in the way that god is but That's the reason the church teaches what it teaches on divorce is it wants to show that this is how serious it is to God. And like, and it's how serious it should be to you is that this is, this is for life. This is a commitment, you know, until death do us part. Those vows mean something. um Um, Anyway. Yeah, agreed. And throughout all of scripture, I mean, right, we
0: open up Genesis with the hmm. union of man and woman and revelations. It's the wedding feast and in the middle is the song of songs. And we've got just uh, the marriage of um, Joseph and our blessed mother, which, you know, is... How God chose to enter in, and so this this is so important. Mm-hmm. So I want to move forward. I want to actually start talking about um, these. I mm-hmm. brought, I got this article to have this conversation about horrible marriage advice because this article was put forth as something. Uh, other men might be thinking of, and maybe they will help these guys' experiences will help you uh, discern if now's the time to get a divorce. And that's what we're in. I actually found a different article on Oprah uh, that also <laughs> went through very similar things, um, but we decided to choose this one here, which was actually the lives <clears throat> of men, real men, and what they were saying. And so that we can actually discuss this. Now, I'll just preface mm-hmm. this we're not looking to make fo- uh, fun of these guys. Um, you know, you're going to have some reactions, probably like I did the first time I went through them. But, and at the same time, it's kind of sad uh, with some of these situations, Um, but we want to present them in such a way of like, if this is you, if you're actually even thinking about this, you're currently married or some of these thoughts, I mean, be honest with God, uh, be honest with yourself, and uh, and try and figure this out because I do think that these uh, words that these men are giving us are kind of a bellwether of the society that we're in. And this is a society we yes. live in that we are called to bring Christ light to, and we're also called to be on the offense, not on the defense all the time. And so hopefully uh, some of the conversations that we have here are going to help you do that. So the very first one is uh, one on therapy, and uh, the guy, individual, I'm, Craig is his name, he stated, she asked me to see a therapist with her. Things had been rocky for a while, and she thought a professional would help. Her asking me made me realize that nothing could help us. I was no longer in love with her, and there wasn't any work that could be done and that would make me fall in love with her again. Right. So I guess we approach right. this one. It's like, man, if you are falling out of love with her, um, get out, right? You know, f- find the exit strategy and, and, and work towards that. So, obviously, there's a couple different directions that we could take this in. I feel like I've been talking a lot, so I actually want to pass it to you, Sam, (laughs) uh, as the therapist in the room. But I do feel I want to take it from this first direction here. This idea um, that therapy is not going to work or this idea that's really kind of systemic, I would say, even within Catholic circles, um, and for many just reasons, right? I mean, I think that that's important is that uh, uh, counselors and, and psychologists and therapists and stuff like that throughout the ages have have presented some pretty um non-catholic unorthodox and frankly just you know humanistic uh understandings of the person and, and of way of of getting through life and so there is some justifiable uh concern about this but at the same time with um our resident mental health counselor extraordinaire in the room on this episode um uh i think it's important for us to kind of dialogue about that, uh, dialogue about this idea that that therapy is not going to help. And I'll just offer one extra thing is that if you are newly married, I'd encourage you to find a priest or somebody that is offering to give you kind of that counseling right from the beginning. Julie and I, my wife and I had a priest uh, right at the beginning that we met for, for the first couple of years and he gave us marriage counseling and it was incredible. And it wasn't because we were not you know, emotionally disconnected or anything like that. It was just, Hey, this is new territory. And thanks be to God for that uh, incredible priest uh, that helped me. So Sam, this idea of therapy and it not helping, I'd love for you to talk briefly about that.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I would say, first of all, if your wife is extending an invitation to you like that, like give it a chance, just, just see, you know, maybe it doesn't do anything. I don't know. Uh, maybe it's a bad therapist. I don't know, but like, just give them a chance, just give it a chance because the number one, you know, with the clients that I see, the number one reason marriages start to break down is because one person refuses to grow. One person is scared of doing their own inner work, you know, whether that's spiritually or like emotionally or whatever, like it, it, there's, they're, they're, they're worried about something. And I'm, something tells me this guy had more going on beneath the surface the stated reason was, well, I just realized that nothing would save our marriage, that I had fallen out of love with her. Okay. But what what really what happens is when you go to therapy is like the spotlight gets shown on what's inside, right? What's beneath the surface, all those fears, all those insecurities, all those feelings of inadequacy or like things like that, or past hurts or resentments, things... And all this stuff comes to the surface and people just don't want to face that. Like it's painful. It can really be painful. It's like surgery for the soul sometimes. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying that to discourage people from going. I mean, I'm saying it to encourage people to go because it can be very helpful in understanding yourself better, why you react the way you do. Our reactions are never random. You know, it's like we we hear people like. Well, he didn't pick up his socks every day and that just drives me crazy. And so now I have to get a divorce. It's like, it's not about the socks. There's something else going on there. But, uh, but men often shrink back from that level of vulnerability. Like we're very good at, you know, wearing a tough exterior. We've got everything under control. Don't mess with me. Like I'm, I'm good the way I am. She's the one that needs to change. You know, and like, I think, so what I would say is like, be wary of that fear, be aware that it might be there Mm -hmm. and don't shrink back from that. Um, Therapy isn't a, isn't a be all end all, but it can be a first step, right? Like it can be a first step in opening up what's inside and like discovering that there's more to your reactions to meet the eye. The second thing that jumps out at me is, is this guy's response is that he's, Fallen out of love with his wife. Now, what does that mean? Like, does that mean that she just doesn't excite him anymore? Does it mean she's maybe put on a few pounds and isn't as attractive? Maybe she's not doting on him as much as she did in the early days of their marriage. Or like, what does that mean? Because that's really kind of a silly criteria. This idea that you have to be in love like you were on your honeymoon or, you know, when you were first engaged, like for the rest of your life you know, and and like love doesn't, it doesn't mean you don't love your spouse. It just changes. It just gets deeper and feels a little bit different. But I've been, I've been married to my wife for 13 years now. And I would say I'm still very much in love with her in the sense that I look forward to seeing her when I come home. I look forward to spending time with her. You know, I appreciate our conversations. Like I still find her physically attractive, like all of those things that were there in the beginning are still here. Now they've just, they're just different, right? Like yeah. it's not exactly the way it was when we were dating. But so I would love to know like what this guy thinks it's supposed to look like. Because sometimes we set ourselves up with failure by, you know, making making like making like this mental image that our life should be like a rom-com year after year, <laughs> you know, all the excitement, all the sparks, all the butterflies in the stomach, Like, if that's your idea of what marriage is supposed to be 10 years into it or whatever, like, of course, you're going to be set up for failure. Like, that's not realistic in any way. And sometimes we just need to let go of some of this cultural baggage of what things should be. So I think that would be an interesting conversation starter with this guy specifically is like, what is your idea of being in love? And is that in any way what the Christian idea of, of love is? And if it's not, then... You know, Again, you're setting yourself up for disappointment. So.
0: Yes, yeah, Sam. I think you asked that question that every single person before they get married, and if you didn't, if you're married, ask yourself now is what is love? What does that mean? And there's books that have been written on this. There is scripture verses up the wazoo, <laughs> that, uh, that dialogue about what love is. And so I'm going to turn to you, Devin, and talk to you about this um, this misunderstanding of love.
2: Yeah. That was what I was focusing on with that first one is this idea of falling out of love as well. And I, I think that you, you look at, she's calling him to step up. She's asking him, will you go to therapy with me? And he is unwilling to step up, which is an indication, unfortunately, that he's been unwilling to step up. And which means that, and this is the truth that there I go, but by the grace of God, Mm. I'm saying that personally. Um, but, the deal is, is we all enter marriage wounded. And, and this is this is very important. Okay. I, I want to speak to the a minute just to the culture, just for a second. We we talk the culture is all about you know becoming the new self, the free self, the whole self, all of that, right? Yeah. But that is all an admittance and a confession that we're not happy, that we're not whole, that we're not truly who we're called to be. And so that means we're wounded. So the, the beautiful thing about marriage is, is for the first time in your life, I mean, besides your parents, your parents should have done this, but it's much different in marriage that you have somebody who's accompanying you in your woundedness. So mm. this guy, most likely, he's got some wounds and some baggage, and that baggage is keeping him from—now, now the way the culture works is we, we divorce passion from will, and we divorce will and passion from intellect. So this is what's going on here with this. He's saying, I fell out of love. I'm, I'm, I'm resting in my mood, in my emotions, in my passion. That's where I yeah. live. And therefore, I'm not going to exercise my will to overcome this mood that I'm feeling and actually follow the intellectual right thing to do, which is mm. to make my marriage work. And this is the problem with our culture. And think about this. Could you imagine if you got up every day and said, you know what? I'm just not in the mood to work you know, or, uh, you know what? I'm just not in the mood to eat. You know, I mean, like, give me a break. You would starve. You would die. You would, you would have no money. I mean, that's not how we as human beings work. We have to exercise the will. And so falling out of love, being in love, it's not based on a mood. It is based on a decision. And, and this is the key Gaudium 24 says, man can only discover himself by becoming a sincere gift to the other.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay,
2: so we discover ourselves when we give ourselves away. By taking that step to go to therapy, maybe I don't feel in love right now, but by taking that step and working with the counselor and discovering some of my own woundedness here that I'm bringing to the table, perhaps then I'm starting to take steps to be a gift to my wife And then I discover in that the will to love. And then, wouldn't you know it, some of the emotions come back here and there. And you start to taste that again. And that's, I can just tell you in my life, that's precisely what has happened in my marriage time and time again.
0: so beautiful, Devin. I really appreciate you saying that. I think you're illuminated something here that I want to just kind of drive home is that love is an act of the will. It is a choice that we make. It is um, an action that we come back to day in and day out. It is not a feeling, mm-hmm. right? And this idea that I think that's, when I was reading this first, sort where my mind really went to was this man just doesn't understand what love is. He fell into love. He fell out of love. Well, that's some sort of a emotional caricature of what love actually is. And what love actually is, is going mm-hmm. through the sacrifice it is going through the pain it is going through the suffering and it is recommitting uh to the beauty of the other of the the our wife who is in need of our constant support and our constant um love of <laughs> our constant choice within yeah. that. And I think that if we get that wrong, we are going to allow our lives to be thrown around like a rudderless ship, you know, that just moves on the emotions. And like you just stated, I wake up and I'm happy. It's a good day. I wake up and I'm a little depressed. It's a bad day. Right. And that is not, uh, um, um, uh, being in control of, of, our lives or at least allowing God to be in control of our lives uh, throughout that. Sam, you had something.
1: Well, I was just going to say, like, it reminds me of, we had lived in such a throwaway culture, right? Like I drive down (laughs) the street and like, you know, like pretty much everything in the, in, in our area was built in the 1980s and it's like, they're already starting to rip it down. Like everything is so ephemeral here. Like in Europe, you know, the, if it was built 300 years ago, that's like the new wing of the building, you know, yeah. like that's, eh, but, but there's this idea <laughs> of like investing in something, uh. investing in something that's designed to last. Like mm. our minds don't go there as modern individuals that are so eager and excited about the new and the novel, but we shouldn't just throw things away. Like, I think this is. This is your marriage is an investment, like you're investing in another person, and just kind of using an analogy. I know it's not a one to one analogy, okay? But imagine, like, mm-hmm. you had you know, I, I recently heard about like this the they rediscovered the original Bullet Mustang from the, the Bullet movies, you know, for oh, 40 yeah. years ago with mm-hmm. the famous car chase and everything. Well, this car is worth like, you know, $10 million or something like that, but it was just sitting in someone's mm-hmm. garage and they had been tinkering on it, like working on it for all these years. But imagine if one day they were just like, they just saw this like priceless car sitting in their garage and they're like, you know what, I'm just so bored of working on this stupid old thing. You know, I'm just going to sell it to the junkyard for scrap, you know, like I've been working on it for, you know, it's been in the family for like 40 years, but I'm just bored of it. Like, it just doesn't excite me. It just doesn't get you know, get my heart pumping anymore. Just, just forget that old thing. And, you know, you just sell it to scrap. Like people will be horrified. People will be really upset, right? And it's kind of a similar thing. It's like every year that goes by, you're investing in your marriage, like you're investing in your marriage and you're just going to throw that away 10 years, 15 years sometimes. Like it just, it just, no, like be a man that commits. And like, even if you're, you're bored one day, like just stick with it. It's an investment, a long-term investment. You know, this is another thing too, just using a financial analogy, like a lot of young people today are realizing that they should have started investing in savings and retirement, things like that a lot longer, or I mean, right when they were very young and like, they don't do that. Right. Or not like another thing is people pull the cash out their 401k and pay all these huge penalties, but they got to like have that boat or whatever it is. (laughs) Again, it's like, you're in for the long haul with, with like retirement savings and things like that. You're investing in that. And if you just, you just jerk that away, like just cash that out, just throw all that money away. Like, you're going to regret it someday. And so, all that to say, like, marriage is a long term project, and we're very bad at that, but we need to get good at it. If we're going to live le- meaningful lives, lives of virtue, we need to start thinking for the long haul and not for the moment and the feelings of the moment.
2: Yeah, I, I, I remember as a, I'm a lot older than both of you. <clears throat> Although you guys are more mature, but I, I, uh, <laughs> I, I remember growing up loving baseball, collecting the baseball cards, and you'd have like Pete Rose, Cincinnati Reds, George mm-hmm. Brett, you know, Royals, Rod Carew, the Twins, you know, and it, these guys played for that team their entire career. And then all of a sudden money got into the game. Mm-hmm. And that was something I, I was like appalled by almost as I got older was these guys are cashing out and going to the, whoever's going to offer them more money. And obviously it's the bigger stadiums and the bigger draws. They're, they're able to pay them more money. Right. And it becomes a game of money and not a game of loyalty. But you think about George Brett or, or any of these guys, when they remained the hometown guy, they were the hero. They had the fans' fidelity. They were the guy, and they knew him, you know. And I think that that's what's going on in marriage. Is like we get married, and we're yes, there's children, and there's weight gain, and there's health problems, and, and maybe sometimes psychological issues and things like that. And then we just, just kind of look across the fence, and we're like, oh, she's pretty, you know, or oh, you know, that looks a little bit better. And and just like the baseball player, he sells out, right? But guess Mm -hmm. what? No more fidelity. The fans don't love him. You know he's not the hero. In fact, he's going to go from that woman to another woman to another woman. He's going to keep trading off from team to team to team, and he's not going to have a foothold in his own life. He's not going to have an identity. And I think that that's kind of a. I think it's a good analogy. In fact, for what's at stake, you're going to lose your kids as fans. You know, you're going to lose your friends as fans and followers or true followers, you know, your band of brothers. You're not going to have any respect. And the other thing is, is when you grow old with your wife, you have a friend who is in it with you through the thick of everything she is gonna die for you she's gonna die with you she wants you to be joyful she wants you to be happy if you're really in it for her and so yeah you might not have the emotions and the sentimentalism most of the time however i i we do have that from time to time but what we have is something far deeper that i think the song of songs says it's 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 stronger than death the fires of hell cannot quench it you know that's what I want, and I'm not saying this to you know people who are divorced, but I'm saying you young guys who are considering marriage. It is amazing. It is a tremendous gift. Yes, it is is hard as nails sometimes, and yes, but this is where you find out your true self. Yeah, because when you're looking at your wife, you're seeing the mirror of yourself. You're seeing where you're weak, where you're limited, where you're impatient, where you're grumpy and resentful, and where your 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 desires are faulty and and it's by working with her through that you become the heroic man you become the man of honor you become the man of greatness and i think that jesus our lord and you know god our father holy trinity designed marriage that's for what that's one of the purposes to make us heroic men saintly men men who really can offer the world so much more than hey i wonder where you know how i can get this other woman or or where i can go tonight to get you know whatever i just yeah. don't think i just don't there's so much more to life than there just is. being single and, and prowling around.
0: Yeah, it's really impoverished uh, view. Well, and another um, way that um, men uh, view marriage is in sex and the frequency of it. And so uh, we move on to the next point here where this individual said, we hadn't had sex for six months. At first, I chalked it up to both of us being busy with our jobs and kids. I planned a special weekend in the city for our wedding anniversary. We went to a nicer dinner and then back to the hotel. I put on the moves and she said she'd rather not. And it was then I knew it was over. Mm. And so, you know, it seems like there was a whole lack of communication for Mm. building up to this moment. Right. And I think, I do think, and I'm going to state something here that, um, you know, can, can definitely be teased out and and worked on some more, but I do think, um, Your sex life, to a degree, can have a benchmark of the health of your marriage. Um, within, at least within your fertile years, um, you know, because there are uh, older couples that, obviously, uh, by their age, aren't um, having sex as frequently, but uh, love exponentially more than than I'm even capable of, and and it's it's beautiful. So I'm not saying that you know remove those outliers, but just looking at this on face value. Um, here, there really was something that was building and building and building that wasn't being dialogued and conversed about um, that allowed itself to get to this point where this one instance... Was just the end, right? This one where they he finally brought up that point of conversation. That's it. She said, "Yep." She said she wasn't interested. Interested, and he said, "Uh, you know, did we sign a prenup?" And he, um, you know, and and that's really sad. But unfortunately, our culture has forced sex upon us. They have just, you know, exacerbated. They have they've shown that it it sells and it um it needs to be everywhere and that we have to be constantly bombarded by it. It's at the Of our fingers, we become addicted to it. It's just over the course of things. And so, um, however, with this guy, it was the end all be all break within his marriage. So, Sam, I'd love to hear your thoughts on when you heard this or read this, what this made you think.
1: Hmm. Yeah. uh, Just the fact that they went six months without any communication about this issue um, is definitely a huge red flag. I I agree 100% with what you're saying, John. It's a thermometer of your marriage. It's not. It's not the most important dimension of your marriage by any means, but it's a very good indicator sometimes of where your marriage relationship is. Um, And I think that, you know, there's there's way more going on here again. Like it's just the they, they had been drifting apart. They had been ships in the night for a long time. It sounds like like living separate lives at most as they're kind of wrapped up in their work worlds maybe just coming home and scrolling on their phones and crashing in front of the TV. I don't know. I'm making some assumptions. Um, but, but, but all that to say, like, you don't go six months without sex, without talking about it at all. Um, and without expressing any, any needs, frustrations, um, desires, anything for six months. Like that tells me there's a huge breakdown. Like you said, in communication in their marriage, And, you know, I, I, again, I'm granted, I'm making some assumptions, but like, I wonder what that husband was doing with that sexual impulse for those six months, right? Like, was he turning Mm. to pornography? You know, was he masturbating? Like, what was he doing for six months? I don't know, you know, too many healthy men that can go six months without some sexual activity and be okay with that, you know, and like, unless you're, unless celibacy is your vacation vocation. So it's like, I, I makes you wonder like what else was going on in their marriage. And I guarantee you with like a hundred percent conviction that it wasn't just their sex life. that was suffering. Yeah. Nobody gets divorced just over his sex life. Again, it's like leaving your socks on the floor, right? Like it's just an excuse for a marriage that's already breaking down a marriage. that's already eroded in many, many ways, that lack of closeness. And I'm sorry, one date night is not enough to make up for Six months of neglect, right? Mm. Um, And so, one thing that that I think we've talked about, we have a really good episode on sex, but I think one thing that's really important is oftentimes your sex life is in proportion to the degree that your wife feels safe, loved, seen, cared for outside of the bedroom, right? Like, to the extent that she feels like you desire her, you care about her needs, you're seeking to meet her needs, and And, and um, provide her with that sense of safety and romance outside of the bedroom. Like, you know, your sex life is going to be so much better if she feels that way. Whereas if she just feels like you don't care about her, your things are cold, distant, um, unloving. I'm not saying it's always that simple, but a lot of times it's, she's, there's already a breakdown in that, that love relationship in that intimacy And there are other degrees of intimacy besides sexual, like she's, she's feeling hurt in one of those ways. So the fact that this wife would turn her husband down on their anniversary, you know, like something else is going on there that they need, they need to be exploring other dimensions of the marriage, but just to take that hurt, that rejection that he maybe felt in that moment and just say, I'm done. Like that just shows like where he is mentally and emotionally, and it's not a mature place.
2: Yeah, amen. I think it demonstrates a fundamental flaw in the way that we think as human beings is that we think that it's quid quo pro. Yeah. That's fundamentally what's wrong with that statement is that he's like, I did this and I did this and I expected this. Well, there's the problem. And so if that's the way he's handling that, my guess is that's the way he's handled everything up to that point. And so when we, so the principle for us to rectify this is we we go into marriage to be a gift, to find out what this our wives' needs are, identi- or if there's women listening, find out what your spouse's authentic God-given needs are, and then work to address those needs. You, you're never gonna satisfy your spouse, but just the fact that you're addressing them shows that you love, mm. and, and that's so important. And then when you do that, without expecting anything back, sure, you can hope, Without expectation, then it's no longer quid quo pro. And then what happens is the other spouse, generally, if they're a good-hearted person, or this can awaken them to be a good-hearted person, they're want, g- going to want to reciprocate that love and address your needs. So I think the idea that, hey, I'm going to take her out and this that's well, that's, that's the culture's way of dating. Well, like, I took her yeah. to a movie, I took her out to eat, and so I should get laid. right? Wrong? Right? You know, Wrong. Wrong, that's selfishness, that's evil, and you'll never be a real man doing that anyway, you know so so learn to be a gift, learn to sacrifice and and where there is no love, put love, there will be love, hey, yeah, it'll work no.
0: Out. Yeah, and I was just going to say marriage, sex is incredibly important in marriage, right? And, and yes. so it is, um, It's the two became one flesh, you know, from the beginning, just using going back to scripture here. Um, the church teaches that the purpose of marriage is for the procreation, education, and upbringing of the children, as well as the mutual benefit of the spouses to get each other to heaven or to work to to help each other to heaven um, but that aspect of procreation education <laughs> you got to have sex in order to um to engage within that Yay. and so i know i exactly and 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 it is and i think that it's it's really important to to dialogue about that but here's the thing is that if you i love this quid pro quo that you just brought up devin because if you enter into marriage with like sex as the return. And so you just got to give her a little bit so that she can give you that because that's what you're looking at, right? That's also an incredibly distorted view of of marriage as well because as men who um, have great marriages can attest is that when she is feeling uh, something that you brought up frequently on previous episodes, secure and protected in your love, you don't have to ask. It is something because you are working hard to figure out what it is that she needs on a day in and day out basis that you are learning to die to yourself. And I tell you what, man, it doesn't happen in those first few years of marriage. You got a lot of work to go. Yeah. But when you start getting that right, when you start waking up in the morning thinking, what can I do to make her life better before? What can I do to make my life better? You're on the path to, um, to virtue and your path to holiness and path to a great marriage. And so I really appreciate, again, that giving yourself, giving, yeah, the will. Yes, Devin.
2: Yeah, it just occurred to me that the first two, the problems, the first two uh, comments are, in the first one, it is, I am looking for my mood stabilizer, which is happiness, which is gonna come from my spouse, right? I'm not happy because I'm not in love, okay? And the other one is I'm looking for sex. I'm not physically satisfied, so I'm leaving. But see, the whole idea with both those is I'm not getting what I want. Well, no kidding. I -hmm. mean, what part of life do you always get what you want? Tell me about it. I'd like to be there. I'd like to know about that, you know? I mean, that's not even realistic, you know? It's not love, you know?
1: Agreed. It, It goes to, yeah, the idea of there's certain things in life that are just elusive. Happiness is one of those things. Yeah. But I think so is, is satisfaction in marriage. You can never find it by aiming directly at it. Like there the you more go. you chase yeah. that specifically, the more it slips through your fingers. But if you just focus on something different rather than satisfaction in marriage, like, you know, feeling happy, feeling loved, like all of those things that like, and you just focus on loving your spouse well. Like, how can I delight you? How can I bring joy to your life? How can I make your life easier? How can I bless you today? All of those things that you want, like, you know, your wife's attention, your wife's affection, those things, like, that'll just happen spontaneously. Unless, unless your wife is really just a super hard hearted, wicked person, which, you <laughs> know, happens, like, right? Yeah. I suppose there are those yeah. out there, but like, yeah. but most of the time, a healthy woman will reciprocate to that kind of attention but again you can't it can't be a quid pro quo. you can't be aiming directly at that byproduct right uh, it comes if it comes and it will but it's also not something that you can aim directly at just like you can't aim directly at happiness and get it like that's just not how life works so it's one of those elusive things where it's like you just can't worry about it you just can't stress about it you just can't aim at it you just got to do the right thing just show up and do the right thing every day And let the rest take care of itself. And it will the vast majority of the time. Marital bargaining will
2: destroy your marriage. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
0: so true. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I, I just wanted to add one thing to Sam, what you were saying. We brought this up on our episode of why men don't know how to feast is because they're always chasing after the feast instead of chasing after the fast. And when we chase after the fast, then all of a sudden feasting becomes the great joy that it can be. And um, and I think that you you... He hit it on the, the head there. I, I thought that was well stated. Well, let's move on to um, another one here uh, that was brought up, and this one has to do with kids, right? And basically, if um, you don't want kids, get out. And so this individual stated, after a few years of marriage, she wanted to start trying for a baby. I always thought I wanted kids, but when it was time to actually have them, I had no desire. Kids were a deal breaker for her, so I knew we needed to split. She deserved to have the life she wanted, and so did I. <laughs> oh, andrew his it's such such a virtuous uh decision that he made i do want to call that out right here yeah, is yeah. that this is the topsy turvy world the distorted view that we have is that this individual quite literally believes his action is a virtue that splitting as he states or getting divorcing his uh, wife and leaving her is the right moral high ground and i tell you what the amount of people that whoever wrote this article and the amount of people that read this article that affirmed it is just a sign of the times that we live in and and i just want to call that out because it is um, what we're up against. It's what we're combating. And, um, and so, and then I, the last thing I'll just say about this is, and this is why it's so incredibly beautiful that we're Catholic. I pray in thanksgiving for Catholicism because I didn't enter into marriage with this idea. I didn't enter into marriage that we would wait a few years before we have children. I didn't enter into marriage with that um, notion or that maybe I wouldn't have children because I understood that what marriage is for, right? The procre- procreation, education, upbringing of the children. And um, and I think that it is such a blessing to my life that I had that um, eyes wide open sort of approach. I would say if you're discerning marriage, one of the great things to ask is, you know, what do you think about kids, right? When you're dating in your courtship? Um how many kids do you want to have? and i i I think that that can be an eye opening conversation with a potential spouse that is worth having because if they come at it, oh, I was like, oh, you know, I don't really know if I want kids or, oh, I'd like two kids, maybe three, you know, I mean, it kind of lets you know where they're at. And so, um, or maybe they're going to say, I want 15, you know, I want to, I want to challenge <laughs> Teresa, uh, Sue or, uh, sorry, uh, Catherine of uh, parents and, um, you know, have, have over 20. Um, and <laughs> that's going to tell you something. <laughs> so, so anyways, and I'm not diminishing bandwidth and just cause and reasons why. Why, to avoid children. But just looking at this one directly, I think it is, um, it's an important uh, point to mention. So Devin, I'd love to hear your thoughts uh, directly on this yeah, one. Yeah.
2: Fundamentally, it sounds like the issue is not wanting to grow up and I, not wanting to take on sacrificial responsibility. So <laughs> so like, can you imagine if I said, hey, you know, guys, I'm, I'm sorry. I I I I talk too much. Therefore I shouldn't be on this podcast or you know what? I can't be in this marriage relationship because I use porn too much or you know I can't be around my buddies because I drink too much. Well, okay. Keep your friendships, reduce the drinking. Keep the marriage, don't use porn. You know, be on the podcast, shut your mouth. You know whatever. Okay, but the point though is is that it's part of growing up to figure out, "Oh, you know what? I need to step up in this area. And what I found, and this, I didn't go into marriage being like, yeah, I just can't wait to have kids. That wasn't my perspective. I was a newbie Catholic in a sense. I just surrendered my life to Jesus Christ. And I was just kind of getting into all this. But once I started having children, I loved no one greater except for my wife. Those children became Mm. so precious and I wanted them to succeed greater than I, you know, greater than I. And and it changed me. And in fact, my responsibility, my accomplishments, my drive, everything went through the roof. Why? Because I wanted to provide for them, because I wanted them to have a great life. And, and, and suddenly I was responsible for myself. I was starting to exercise in virtue. I was starting to study my faith. I was starting to overcome my negative passions, anger, impatience, whatever it was, lust. Why? because I wanted to protect them. And then in all of that, I became a greater man. Mm. And and I think that, you know, we talked about this before, there's three types of men or three stages. There's the boy, there's the man, and there's a the spiritual father. And the boy is the guy who's all about himself. He's like the guy, the kid on the the training wheels, you know, yeah. he, he, he doesn't want to injure himself and everybody has to take care of him. And the man's like the four wheeler. He's out having fun. He's learned to take care of himself just enough, but not enough room to, take anyone else for a ride. But the spiritual father is the one who eats a 53-foot semi. He Because he knows that his goal is exactly the opposite of the boy. His job is to take care of everybody else, to get their souls to heaven. And that's that responsibility level that we step into when we start to have children. So just saying, you know what, I just knew that, I, I just came to this realization that I didn't want to have children. All that's saying is, is I just came to this realization that I just want to remain in my selfishness and yeah. still remain a boy. And I'm not ripping on the guy. I'm just saying, look, that's that's just not reality. You know, you, you if you're getting married, children are byproduct, and what a wonderful byproduct. Amen. And you'll become a man because of it.
1: Amen. I love it. Sam. Yeah, no, that's it's uh it's my heart, honestly, my heart breaks for this guy because yeah. he's missing out on so much. Our culture's view of children is so utterly toxic. Warped. You know, like children. Oh, they're a drain on the planet. You know, maybe have one, but like, oh my goodness, they're a drain on the the Earth's resources. Like, do not procreate. You're hurting Mother Earth. You know, and like then, then the other message is like, oh, they're just they're just they're just icky. You know, you got to change all those diapers, you know, like they're so expensive, like you'll be missing out on those vacations and things like that. Okay, all of that is is complete BS. You know, just forgive me. But like it's it's total nonsense. Like nothing has brought more joy to my life. Nothing's Mm. brought more laughter and smiles and like hugs and affection and just just all of those things that just make your heart sing Nothing has brought that more into my life, yes, than my children. And yes, yeah. yes, of course, I love my wife first. That marriage, that relationship, is primary. But children are just an unbelievable blessing, and just to see them grow and learn, and just again all the all the laughter that we've shared together—like, there's nothing to replace that. And and this guy is thinking so short term, right? Like he's probably thinking like the next year. Ahead, maybe, Mm, maybe not even mm. that. Maybe he's like stuck a few weeks ahead at a time, like just looking at the immediate, right? But think about when you're old and gray and you've had all your fun in life and you spent all the money you can spend and you've had all the vacations you can have. And then you're just like, then what? Then what? Like, who's going to be there for your old age? What are you going to look forward to then, right? Well, of course, he probably never plans to get old, but he will. Right. Well, and someday he's going to regret being alone and childless, with no one to leave his riches to, no one to pass on a legacy to, no one to surround him in his old age, and look forward to seeing him, and and, and all of no those joys to that grandparents him. can have. Yeah, what exactly? No one to remember him. No. Yeah. No one to remember you. Like, so you climb the ladder and, and conquer the world, and like, there's nobody cares. Nobody cares. You know, like, yeah. you have nothing to show for your life. And I think of those like beautiful Catholic families I know where there's these grandparents with like 50 great grandchildren and grandchildren, and like, you know, they're they're just surrounded by joy and love in their old age because they embrace the call of marriage and fruitfulness and fidelity. And like what a beautiful picture that is compared to the barrenness that a lot of the um you know misguided you know, people who've imbibed the toxic messages of our culture around children, you know, and they're old and gray and they've got nobody and their health is failing and like how pitiful that is. Um, And so I just, again, my heart goes out to this guy Mm because he's missing out on great riches, great treasures. I couldn't agree more. I really
0: appreciate that. And I'm so blessed to have a three-month-old just over in my life right now. And he's been smiling for over a month and it is my daily goal to get him to laugh. And he's almost at that age, right? He's a little bit away from it. Um, uh, but it is such a joy to see him smile every day. It is such a joy to see his wonder, to see him light up, um, to to look at him in the eyes and see that sort of love and that sort of uh, a joy, the sincere joy and wonder and awe that he experiences, uh, that I experience with him. It is unlike anything else in this world, and it is worth every bit of it. And, and I just uh,
2: can't, can't agree and, and affirm that enough. Well, having, having children gives us the window into the Heavenly Father's heart. Mm. When you look upon your child, you catch a, a, like a, a whiff or a sense or a glimpse of God the Father's intense love for you, for me, yeah. for his children. Without children, it's very hard to tap into that fatherly love, that essence of the father. But I'm not saying you can't, I'm just saying it's difficult, but it is it is such a gift when you you and especially when your child screws up and you still love your child, like wow, that's weird. <laughs> yeah. I love my child. That's the father's heart, man.
0: Amen. Wow. Well, thank you both so very much. Men, if you like this uh, conversation that we've had here and you want to go deeper, we're going to go into more now at over at Catholic Gentleman Plus. We're going to talk about being attracted to other women. We're going to talk about when your wife might be attracted to another man. Um, and we're going to talk about a couple other things. So mm-hmm. if you liked it, please head over to Catholic Gentleman Plus. You can continue on the conversation and join us over there. And so thank you for being with us this far. And as we end each of our episodes...
1: Be a man, be a saint.